0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 PM. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have Tom Martin. He's the founder at LawDroid and co-founder at Vancouver Legal Hackers. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. You're, you have kind of a, a, a really interesting kind of take on kind of the legal space. But maybe before we kind of get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure. So
1: I'm originally from Los Angeles. Okay. I grew up on uh, the east side of L.A. in a part called El Sereno, mm-hmm. which is a older part of L.A. outside of downtown. And, uh, you know, went to school in the San Gabriel Valley.
0: Nice. It's a nice area, though. Spent some time uh, in L.A., or that area.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a nice area. It was nicer when I, when I was younger. Um, it's a very hilly area, so you have <laughs> – like, back when I was a kid, there was still, like, raccoons and a lot of wildlife and stuff that was um, – kept it kind of feeling like more of the suburb and not so much part of the city – but that's that's changed quite a bit since then sure and uh one other thing is that you know it's definitely you know east LA is kind of the other side of the tracks uh to where I would go to school and so I don't know if you're familiar with John Hughes or his movies but it was yeah, yeah. kind of <laughs> kind of that feel um you know going to uh high school like in locking out of flint ridge which is a very like upscale um Area where they have country clubs and horse, horse, you know, horses and things like that. Golf, you know.
0: Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. So, you've been to a bunch of kind of universities, kind of across the country. Walk me through your kind of university career. Sure. So, um, the first stop was
1: um, I went to school back east in Connecticut. I went to Yale University. Okay. And got a degree in philosophy.
0: So what made you want to take that?
1: Uh, Yale or philosophy? Philosophy.
0: Well, I guess kind of both. What made you want to take philosophy at Yale? Uh, Well, that's probably a stupid question because, like, Yale's a (laughs) huge, popular, world-renowned university, so I get that. But what got you into philosophy and wanting to go to Yale? Sure. Um, Well, when I was in high school,
1: I, you know, I was always and I don't know if this is d- kind of different now, but at the time I was a very reflective kid. You know, I, I read a lot um, in terms of uh, science and like theoretical physics and stuff. Not that I totally understood everything. Okay. Sure. But, but like th- that kind of stuff really made me think a lot about like the nature of things and um, not to get too nerdy about it, but um that kind of um, point of view was where I was at then, Interesting. and I really yeah. wanted to, yeah, I really wanted to explore it. And so, you know, I went and, and looked at a few different uh, universities, and Yale just really hit a chord with me. There was something about the energy of the place, a um, very high level of engagement with all the students. They're extremely uh, bright involved kids sure and um and then the the aesthetic of the campus is a kind of a gothic kind of feel yeah, yeah, to yeah. it i've and seen I, photos
0: i've never been but it looks like a rad campus
1: yeah yeah and uh, so it all just struck a chord with me and it, it seemed to fit together so sure. that's why i ended up doing that
0: Okay, and then and then you went back to California for your law degree. What what made you go kind of back to UCLA?
1: Well, UCLA was coming back home to LA. Sure. Um, my family is in LA and I'd been away for a while and I thought I'd set down my roots. Gotcha. Uh, in LA.
0: Sure. Yeah. So and then once you 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 left university, you've kind of worked all over all over the states. Kind of walk me through your post university career before kind of you you got into kind of Lawdroid and and kind of all the other things you're involved in right now.
1: Yeah, sure. I I had a I guess an atypical type of. Um, you know, employment history sure. after getting out of law school when you compare it to, uh, I guess, what people traditionally do. Uh, the first thing I did when I got out of law school is because I was in Los Angeles and I loved movies and the entertainment business, um, I actually first went into that. So I okay. worked, um, you know, for a producer, a movie producer named John Peters. Okay. Yeah, he has. That's right yeah, he had a production company in Burbank on the Warner brothers lot. And there was some really great access to some amazing people that I got to meet. And then I ended up working at United talent agency, um, as an agent trainee with, uh, you know, working under Jeremy Zimmer. Okay. um, Who's now the, you know, CEO of, of UTA, which is a powerhouse, uh, talent agency. And, um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Swimming with Sharks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it is a very high-pressure industry, sure. And there's a lot of great like life lessons that I learned from working at an agency, and that kind of high-pressure um, business is is very demanding, and it makes you um, really take take things to heart, not take no for an answer, and really follow your, you know, follow your goals.
0: No, I, I think that's, that's great. So what made you kind of decide to found LawDroid and what exactly is it?
1: So LawDroid is, um, it's an, a, it's an AI legal assistant that helps business owners incorporate their business and they could do it themselves by answering a few questions with this chat bot. Because that's what it is. It's a chatbot where you answer questions in a dialogue, and you could incorporate your business in California.
0: Okay. No, that I I think that's that's actually really cool, right? And I, I think kind of innovative because you're you're almost taking work away from yourself, correct, by building this little <laughs> chatbot, right? To basically do kind of pretty well. Simple's maybe the wrong word, but kind of these like. Most people just need, like, when they're incorporating a business, they don't really need anything crazy. They just kind of need, like, you just open up the template, change the name, fire it off, and they're good to go. Correct?
1: Yeah. You know, filling, filling out the form is it's part of it. But there's also – the cool thing about chatbots is that you can also pack in some automated guidance. Okay. You know, so, like, it's not just form filling, but it's also telling you, you know, if you if you're even a good match for this form, you oh, know, like it, like does this service make sense for you? So, LawDroid goes through and it asks you a few questions that a lawyer would normally ask you to kind of disqualify you. You know, like maybe this isn't the right thing for you.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And then once you are qualified and you fit, you know, okay, this this particular way of incorporating makes sense for this person, then it goes through and informs the user hey, these are all the things you need to know about um, as consequences of incorporating like this. Gotcha. Like, you know, you're going to have to pay a minimum franchise tax fee every year of $800 is one of them. Okay. And um, so the, the cool thing about chatbots is that you could, you could put those two things together, the document generation with uh, you know, guidance on how to, how to fill it out and what it means.
0: No, I, I think that's great. So kind of walk me through kind of the process. Like I, I download the app and then I can, you know, I I just kind of answer the questions or, or is it a little bit more complicated than that? Or And can I do it from the web as well?
1: So right now it's uh, currently on Facebook Messenger. Okay. And so it's going to be available on, on other platforms like Skype and Slack and You know WeChat and others. Yeah. But but the first one I started off on is Facebook Messenger just because you know you have 1.2 billion monthly active users and it seemed like a good platform to start on. Sure. Um, but all you do is you hop into Messenger, uh, answer a few questions, and the whole thing probably takes about 10 minutes. And at the end of it, it emails you your form, and you just print it out, sign it, and and mail it in. Now, if you didn't want to do that yourself and have have me do it, then you just, you know, you can um, you can opt into doing that for a small fee.
0: Sure. So, what is the cost to use LawDroid?
1: So, there's one thing that that's impossible to get around, and that's the state filing fee, which is 100 bucks okay. in California. Sure. But other than that, it is possible possible to go through LawDroid and actually get the whole service for free. Okay. That's if you do it yourself completely where, you know, you print it out, you sign it and mail it in. That's actually free. Okay. But there's a number of opportunities when you fill it out where you can opt into additional services. I got you. Yeah. Like I file it for you. um, Or if you choose to have LawDroid be your registered agent for service of process, which is the person who receives paperwork for the company, then that's a fee that is an annual recurring fee. Um, or if you want to get some legal advice, you can pay to have a, you know, 30 minute consult with a lawyer.
0: Sure. I, I think that's, that's great. Like I, I love what you're doing with the whole kind of, you're basically bringing technology into a space that's not known for having technology, right? Like. Any kind of experience I've had kind of with a lawyer in the past, I don't mean it mean, it's just, it's usually just like they might send <laughs> you okay. like a Word doc or a, or a PDF, right? And it's just kind of like you, you get on the phone with them or you go meet them in person and there's not really any technology or kind of modern technology in in the space, right? And I think there's huge opportunity for, for like obviously for what you're doing and kind of taking that forward, right? And and kind of pushing your guys' industry a little bit more kind of modern.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think if somebody were to invent the profession of providing legal services now, mm-hmm. um, it would definitely not look the way it, it does. Like you wouldn't have um, lawyers sitting in high rise offices with marble floors and um, you having to, like you as the client having to plan your entire day and business and everything around the lawyer's schedule. And it, you know, like it, it the, the way the current system is, is that the lawyer is the center of the universe and the client has to find their way around the lawyer's time gotcha. and, and all that. And it, the way things should be, and the way they are in pretty much every other service industry is the other way around. It, it rotates around the customer. Um, and that's, that's fundamentally the shift that's happening, um, is to build a client centered, uh, approach for providing legal services and something that just feels natural to everyone, which is we live on our phones. We message all of our friends and family all the time. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And to have, to have something where we live, that's just as easy to communicate with um, like a chatbot, for example, and to be able to, whenever you need it on demand, twenty four seven, get some get some vital information that you need, or to get some legal services done on the fly, is is just going to be the the new normal. Um, sure. Fairly quickly.
0: Well, and I also think though, just like to your point earlier, is where I can do everything kind of myself for free, but throughout the process. I can kind of get help or consultation, or I can like set up a meeting or call or or whatever with you, right? I think, I think like people, I think sometimes people are kind of unsure about what they need, and I would put myself in that boat. Like, I'm I'm a creative person. Like, I, I the, the legal stuff has kind of always been so foreign to me. So sometimes I you know I'll take a crack at something, but then at some point I'm like you know what like I want to you know call Tom quickly, right, and get his opinion on this that's relevant to me, right? But I might mm-hmm. at least start off the process kind of on my own. But it's it's an interesting kind of space that you're playing in. And I think you're kind of at the beginning of the whole thing, at least from like technology being put into the legal space. I know there's tons of sites online that kind of you can download a templated document of for whatever. But I think actually being able to kind of build this stuff on the fly you know, and incorporate a business and kind of whether I use a lawyer throughout the process or do it myself through kind of your law droid, I, I think that's actually really cool and, and really innovative.
1: Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, this this particular thing has been a thread that's run through uh, my legal career, which is making legal services available to, to regular people, you know, sure. like to... Make legal services accessible and affordable. The big buzzword in the legal industry is access to justice.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, and access to justice, which I'm I'm also a part of a group called Group Legal Services Association. Okay. Which which is affiliated affiliated with the American Bar Association, and its mission is to advance access to legal services and make them affordable. So, um, the whole point. Is that it shouldn't be about the people with in the people that have the most money win, or the, mo- the people with the most money are the only ones that have access to lawyers and and to legal services. But but regular people that don't have the budgets for it, how are they going to be served? And historically, they've been underserved or not served at all. Sure. And so these kinds of automated uh, legal service systems are going to be able to provide um, a type of um, you know, legal information, uh, simple services, and advice to you know, most people that couldn't afford it. Sure. And I, I think it's a great access point for them to get involved in the system that they haven't to date really been able to get active in.
0: No, I, I, I love that. And I think the thing that's interesting to me about what you guys are doing is... Like the, the whole startup culture is is kind of super trendy right now, and I, I don't mean that in a mean way. I, like I'm part of that. Like I'm you know, I work on other stuff in the the day. So but I think part of it is is like a lot of people, especially when they're they're doing a startup, whether it's themselves or with a co-founder or a few founders, you know, having kind of a legal documentation and everything kind of set up early on, is super important, and I think, you know, just even incorporating your business and and whatnot is super important, but it traditionally, it's been so expensive that it's just not worth it when it's like, you know, you and a buddy just, like, spending your evenings and weekends hacking out a little web project that you're like, maybe we'll turn this into a startup one day, right? Like, but when somebody like yourself is kind of lowering the barrier of entry to actually getting you know your kind of legal stuff in order sooner than later is only beneficial for for everybody kind of involved
1: yeah and that's exactly what i'm trying to do is to make it so that any any entrepreneur business owner who wants to incorporate who wants to formalize their business you know so they can get get their you know a corporate bank account set up start being um you know, keeping their books as a corporation, uh, to some extent having additional credibility because they're incorporated sure. like that. They, they could do all of that. You know, they, they don't have to worry about saving up the two grand or three grand that it's going to cost to retain a lawyer, to be able to do that and to make it something that is not going to be a bottleneck to gotcha. their, to their progress.
0: No, I, I think that's great. So for people that don't, fully understand how does it work like if I don't live in California can I incorporate my business in California or any other state or how does that kind of work
1: so two two things I mean number one anyone can incorporate in California
0: okay whether you're do you, you don't, have to be an American citizen um, no you don't okay interesting uh, <laughs> but
1: but i'm not saying that you should do that i'm saying okay. you can do it. Got <laughs> i'm you. saying you, you can do like if you live in texas you could incorporate in california it might not be the best idea okay because if you're actually conducting your business in texas for example then you would have to pay texas your you know a corporation tax in addition to california so you're kind of like uh, shooting yourself bang. in the foot got you so for california it's you know it's it's basically for California residents who are conducting the business here and they want to incorporate. Okay. Um, the plan is to expand into additional states so that, you know, the next one logically would, would likely be Delaware. Okay. And, uh, and others
0: is Delaware because like I've, I've kind of heard and you can, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. Like I know why Combinator and and some other kind of big kind of incubators, tell everybody to incorporate their startup in in Delaware. Is that, do you agree with that? Do you, what's your thoughts on that?
1: So like like most legal questions, it's uh, highly fact specific. So it depends, like it depends on what, what the people are trying to accomplish. Like the people that are trying to form this corporation, what are their goals? And if their goals are just to, you know, run a restaurant, for example, in California
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they wanna do they wanna incorporate so that if somebody slips and falls in the in the restaurant they're not gonna lose their entire life savings. Sure. Then a California corporation makes sense. Like you don't have to do Delaware. Right, right. But if you're you know, if you have um a startup and you have your technical co founder and, and marketing people and you know, like it's an it's a tech startup. Yeah. Then yeah, you probably want to consider Delaware because it's it's something that's expected, and when investors go into it, they know what to expect, um, and it's you know that's a very fairly typical uh, setup for that kind of startup. Gotcha. But there's many, you know, the vast majority of which are not the Silicon Valley startups, sure, which are just you know mom and pop stores or. Um, you know, just entrepreneurs that are not doing tech that are looking to, to get their businesses started. And and so what I'm doing right now is kind of geared more towards them. Okay. Because, gotcha. because incorporating California, this particular niche is, is a little more local. Um, but I think that there's also a large uh, market to be captured for those that are doing startups. And even beyond the, you know, tech startup Um, there's a lot of other companies that consider Delaware simply because Delaware has a very large body of law that's dedicated to, you know, corporate litigation and how corporations work. And it's, it's much more developed than a lot of states.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't I didn't really – like I've always heard that, but I didn't really realize why until now, I guess. <laughs> so I, yeah. it's interesting, right? Because it, it's it's funny how like just different states are just so wildly different with something as – well, I guess law is complicated. But it's interesting that some are just so much more advanced than others and I don't know. Something like that just fascinates me.
1: Well, sure. Plus the U.S. makes it a little more complicated because we have 50 states and 50 mm-hmm. different – Jurisdictions with different laws and you know a lot of them overlap but and are similar, but there's a lot of differences too, and you can get caught in traps of um uh, one state's law versus another
0: sure well and then and correct me if I'm wrong that like something can be legal in a state, but if it's illegal at a federal level, you can run into issues based on <laughs> whatever like is that is that fair to say
1: yeah, like I guess one example
0: yesterday being 420,
1: oh, fair, uh, yeah. <laughs> is uh you know that marijuana in in some states has been um, approved with new legislation for recreational use and that's what those particular states have decided like washington state for example sure but at the federal level it's still it's still criminalized right and, and not only criminalized but as you know the top notch like along with cocaine is being a Uh, you know a a big felony uh, at the federal level and so there's this complete disjunction between the two so yeah you can have a federal law that's at odds with state laws and uh, you know usually in the US there's a deference to the states so like if they decide they want to go one way um, that's typically how things go but you know, with the current attorney general in, uh, in the United States, it might not okay. uh, go that way.
0: <laughs> so does that make it kind of complicated for you guys sometimes when you guys are incorporating like a, a business kind of, you know, it could be out, like obviously outside of just maybe like if somebody's doing a startup, is there anything that they need to consider, you know, that maybe their state allows that maybe federally they is illegal?
1: I think the only time that would come up is if if the kind of business they're conducting is illegal at the federal level. So, okay. gotcha. the you know the the example would be like if you had a had a pot store, if you okay. or if you're cultivating marijuana or something like that. But for I think for the you know 99% of 99.9% of businesses that aren't doing that, I, I don't really see that coming up okay. because yeah. I always kind of
0: wondered that. I guess is kind of why I asked. It was more of a selfish question, I suppose, because I, I kind of assumed that it was just related to something like that. But if I was just kind of curious if there was anything kind of outside of that industry that people had to kind of worry about if they were looking to get in. But but that makes a lot of sense. So I'm I'm curious. You were just down in Stanford doing some talks. What what was that kind of around, and why did they ask you to come down and speak?
1: Uh, yeah, so you're talking about Codex, which is at Stanford Law School, and um, Susan Salkind and um, Roland Vogel uh, head up that, that group, and it's, it's basically dedicated to um, legal tech progress in the, in the legal industry, okay. and kind of tracking it. And so they have people come down, they invite them to come down and present... Uh, their technology or product or or viewpoint about legal tech, and so I got invited to come down there and present Lawdroid um, to them. And for me, it's a it's a huge honor. Um, I really respect what they're doing, and um, you know, to have it have the invitation come from a, a group at Stanford Law School means that you know I, I'm doing something right.
0: Sure, <laughs> I sure. hope that's great.
1: Though. Uh, yeah, so I got to tell them a little bit about Lodroid, introduce them to it, and I uh, got some you know great questions afterwards and some interest. So that was was a good experience. Not to mention that Stanford, like the campus, is just ridiculously sure. beautiful. Um, flying down from Vancouver, it was a rainy day in Vancouver, but I get down there and driving in, there's like rolling green hills and yeah. you know white powder puff clouds, and it was just amazing.
0: It's definitely a beautiful area. If anybody hasn't been to that kind of Silicon Valley, San Francisco area, it's great. Um, so I'm curious, you're also a part of, and uh, well, co-founder of the Vancouver Legal Hackers. I know it's kind of a global organization, but what what is the Legal Hackers kind of organization? And, and what are you guys doing in Vancouver that is kind of unique and, and kind of different and, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries of legal technology.
1: Right. So Legal Hackers is an international uh, organization based out of New York. Okay. And its aim is to come up with creative technological solutions to legal problems. Okay. And so the the actual movement towards this started four or five years ago. I remember – Going to a few conferences back then, where when nobody was true, <laughs> was yeah. was really interested or into this, it wasn't mainstream yet. Um, and and from that came you know the, this organization that wanted to formalize the, this kind of interest, and they called themselves legal hackers. And so there's chapters that have been popping up all over the United States and Canada and in Europe, um, Asia and Africa so there's groups all over and, and this is their focus is trying to create a better, more approachable legal industry essentially.
0: Okay.
1: And, uh, in Vancouver, you know, I, um, I founded, um, well, I started and I brought in, um, my co-founder, Joshua Lennon, who works with Clio and he's just, the most uh, charismatic personable and uh, great guy he's he's a, a great speaker and uh, force of nature really and I, I know I'm doing my best when I when I speak to try to to uh, bring myself up to his level um, but he works at, at Clio uh, which is a startup out of Vancouver okay that does uh, uh, practice management for lawyers and they've been very successful. They have a conference every year that's off the hook. There's like so many people that attend, and um, it, it's a very popular conference. Any, anyways, um, so I co-founded the group with uh, Joshua Lennon and um, three other guys, uh, um, Mark, Brandon, and Eric, who are local van- uh, Vancouver lawyers. Actually, Mark is uh, in law school. But altogether, we created Vancouver Legal Hackers, and we've had about five meetings so far, founded in November of just this past year, 2016, sure. and at this point in April, we have over 400 members.
0: That's great, man.
1: Yeah, there's a huge interest in, in legal tech and what it's where it's going, and what are we doing differently? I mean... I think we're just trying to bring people together. So it's not just a lawyer group, you know, it's lawyers and developers.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: And trying to put those two different personality types and creative types into a room and um, and help them to come up with something special is ultimately what we're aiming for.
0: No, I, I, I love that. I, I, I think that's great, right? And I think kind of more industries I think need to do what you guys are doing because it, it sounds maybe kind of bad in in some cases but I think technology is moving into every industry so like obviously you get that and you're trying to be like you're trying to create that instead of kind of get run over by that right and I think there's a lot of people that work in these industries that technology shows up and then they don't know what to do, right? And sometimes their, their business gets wiped out or just put online or, or whatnot, right? And instead of, you know, you don't seem that worried about bringing technology into the legal space, you're actually trying to move the legal space forward by, by accepting and embracing and kind of building technology into the legal field.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, personally, I, i've never seen a I've never seen a conflict there. I know a lot of people do. Um, to me, it's it's always been about, okay, this is the latest thing. Does it make sense to incorporate this or not? You know, does it does it make things better or does it make things worse, or we're just not sure yet?
0: Okay, interesting.
1: And and so I've never really had an opposition to. To new technology. In fact, it's always to me presented an opportunity for uh, you know what we can do better.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, that that's interesting. So obviously, like you must get some pushback from other kind of you know attorneys and and other people in the legal field. How how's how's the hacker group kind of been accepted in the legal space?
1: Well, I guess from, you know, the amount of, of membership we've, we've got, it's, it's been accepted fairly well. I, I mean, I personally haven't dealt with, with the objection, but there's definitely um, some lawyers who think that this is, you know, this is very scary what's happening right now. Okay. And, And they look at it and they see that there's all this talk about artificial intelligence and automation and. Uh, losing jobs and uh, you know I wish I could say that that those fears are completely unfounded you know
0: yeah,
1: and and they're not entirely unfounded because I mean already um, there was one story I think about a month ago where JP Morgan uh, engaged uh, an AI company to assist them with automating um some uh, some legal research and uh, due diligence, I believe. Okay. And so this was work that would normally take, if it was one lawyer, okay, it would take it would take the one lawyer. I think it was like three hundred and sixty thousand hours.
0: Oh wow, that's insane. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So decades, right, yeah. of work, which really means that they would have to hire an army of lawyers normally. Which they you know typically do. They hire an army of lawyers. That and paralegals that review all of this documentation. It takes them thousands and thousands of hours to review. Sure. And it takes a long time. But they employed this automation that was able to review it and got it done within, I think it was a few minutes.
0: Yeah, which is like unheard of, right? Like, which is. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair.
1: Compared to, you know, decades of. Work and employment for for lawyers, and and so the the, the cost savings was insane, mm-hmm. um, and and J P Morgan obviously is very happy with that because they're, you know, more efficient They get to have things done and get an answer quickly, as opposed to having to wait for for you know forever, or what seems like it when you're in the middle of a transaction, and it's a good result for them. Well, certainly that's gonna lead to a job loss for um, lawyers doing reviews like that. Um, and so I, I think, you know, there, there is there is a fear there, but at the same time, I guess for me, like I said before, it's always presented an opportunity. Like whenever you have a crisis, whenever you have um, something that is, is new and, and, and different and is going to cause a lot of change, it's an opportunity to... Understand it and make it work for you, and so, I mean, my, my personal wish would be if if more more lawyers made it make it work for them, um, as opposed to just being fearful of it.
0: Sure, no, I hundred percent agree. But I I think that's almost in in any industry at some point, right? And just even history, where it's it's just a matter of time before kind of the the simpler tasks in any industry kind of get automated, whether it's by Technology or AI or, or computers or something, right? Like it, it, it seems to be that's just the repeating pattern, right? And and part of me also thinks that you, people need to figure out how to make themselves kind of invaluable, right, and not replaceable, or they need to kind of grow and potentially change to to com- to to kind of accommodate the changing in their field, right? Because mm-hmm. if you look at you know you you think back like a decade like the iphone is just over a decade old like how far (laughs) have we come in in that decade right just can't live without it yeah yeah and it's only getting faster right like the facebook developer conference was this week and they're talking about being able to like type with your mind and think with your mic they're working on technology like this right so you think about that stuff right and it's coming and it's only coming faster right and so to your point and kind of my point is like you need to figure out how to kind of embrace this for your industry or you loot, you risk potentially getting wiped out by technology coming into your industry. Right. And uh, at least in your case, in my case, we're trying to actually create that in the industry instead of trying to get run over by. it.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's, it's a challenge. And even right now there's, um, you know, I think the challenge is that now there's so much interest in it. Um, it seems like everyone is, is, uh, coming up with, a uh, some kind of AI or chatbot. And, and, and so, you know, at the recent, uh, Facebook conference, I think the figure was like a hundred thousand chatbots, uh, at this point sure. within the span of, uh, you know, six months basically. So, um, Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's an interesting time. There's a lot of change going on, but I think it's best to just to keep moving forward and finding the best way to make it work for us.
0: Sure. So I'm curious then your thoughts on what advice do you kind of give younger or kind of lawyers that are in school and maybe a little bit worried about this? Like, I know you kind of said embrace change, but like, is there any other kind of advice that you kind of give all the time when asked that question?
1: Yeah, and actually, we, I, you know, through Vancouver Legal Hackers, had an opportunity to speak um, at UBC, Uni- University of British Columbia Law School. And um, after the talk, you know, one of the students had come up to me and asked that, that exact question. Okay. It, and that it's, it requires a different mindset, you know, like, The mindset that I had when I went to law school and I think a lot of of law students still have is that you're there to get, you know, to get out and get a good firm job, Mm -hmm. like to get to get that, you know, associate position at a law firm where you're going to stay on track, become a partner. And that's going to be success for you. And I think that what has happened over the past decade, really, is that that has been completely broken open and. You have, you have to not, not just consider other, other paths than that. Um, you, you know, you have to consider them. You have to look at, for example, uh, like Joshua Lennon, right? He's working for Clio, which is a startup, and he's their quote-unquote lawyer in residence. So he does a vast number of different things, uh, but outreach to other, outreach to practicing lawyers is one of them. Right. um he he also comments on the state of the industry and does talks about where things are going you know so that kind of um attorney liaison uh for a startup is is a type of position that's now available to to law students to look into something like that or there's um there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to wrap their heads around um what this change in technology means for the law. And so a lot of companies are are looking to hire people, uh, hire lawyers that are familiar with this, with this, you know, cross pollination between law and technology and employing that in their business. So it might be, um, you know, it might be that there's a fortune 500 company that is employing chatbots and communicating with people, but they need to do things in a, and, and make sure it's legal and that they're not crossing lines depending on who they're talking to and m- making sense of that and having it all be appropriate you know that that's something that they'll need uh, somebody to review legally for them and so that's another kind of position that might be available um, and actually going down the path of founding your own company in the legal tech space is another opportunity that wasn't as wasn't really available b- before
0: sure
1: so what I'm saying is that there there's many different ways to go with a with a law degree and it's not just the associate path you have to consider these other paths and some of them actually may be much more re- rewarding for law students because up until now they've been stuck with the associate path and it's been regarded as a fairly, a fairly high stress option
0: right no fair (laughs) yeah
1: yeah for a lot of people
0: no i i I think that's actually really good and like and i would put yourself in this this category like yeah you're you're a lawyer but you're also a founder you're also an entrepreneur you're 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 building your own startups right and you may you may do that full-time part-time as a side project but i think it's important like people like yourself to mention that to to younger kind of people coming up there's in some ways, and I don't have this skill set, but I think like I wish I, I did have a, you know, I wish I did have a better understanding of kind of the legal and kind of accounting side of business, right? So having, you know, being a founder and having kind of a legal background will never hurt you, right? You might not just actually do law for other people all the, all day long or be an attorney, but if you understand the law and you found a company, whether it's in the law space or not is immensely valuable. Definitely. And I, and
1: I think what's, what's happening to the law degree is what, what has happened, Oh, you know, decades ago to an MBA. Sure. You know, like you would get your MBA and, you wouldn't necessarily be gunning solely for the C-level suite. You know, like, it, yes, you would hope for that. Sure. But there's – but basically it's a general um, business education and credibility that you would get that would serve you well in, in a number of different types of positions within business. And I think that a law degree is basically becoming that with – for for business but having – a legal twist to it, so that it just generally qualifies somebody um, to be, you know, to to have a legal perspective um, in business. So there's many more opportunities than just the narrow, um, the narrow one that's been available today.
0: No, I I think that's great, but sadly, Tom, we're running out of time. So. Maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself, LawDroid, and if they want to check out the Vancouver Legal Hackers or the other chapters across the globe.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, for legal hackers, definitely visit Meetup, you know, and go on to meetup.com and just type in legal hackers, and you will definitely find uh, your local group if there is one. Sure. And if not, just uh, you know, check out the Legal Hackers website, and you can actually start up your own uh, local chapter if you want.
0: That's great.
1: Um, as for Lawdroid, you could follow me at uh, Lawdroid1 on Twitter, okay. and the website is just Lawdroid.com. And so you can check out uh, a number of blog articles about how to improve your business profitability and automation. And also give uh, Lodroid a spin and check it out if you need to incorporate.
0: Perfect, Tom. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day.
1: You too, Kevin. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.